circumstance bigger than every situation. It's the name of Jesus. It's above it all. Lord, we know that we've come in here all in different seasons, different aspects of life, but needing an encounter from you today. So Lord, we pray that over the next few moments as we open up your word, that it would be a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path, that our lives would never be the same because we've encountered you. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. It is so great to be with you again this morning. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I want to say welcome on behalf of myself, my wife, and the rest of the team here at Propel Church. We are honored that you chose to join us on this Memorial Day weekend, excited for what God has in store. And again, if you are a first-time guest with us, uh, we want to say thank you. We don't take it lightly that you chose to be here, and I'll give you a hassle-free guarantee. We're not going to show up at your house with cookies or anything weird like that. We just want some information for you. I'd love to send you a note that says, thanks for joining us this morning. And I've got your attention the most within the first five minutes of a message. And so what I wanted to do is talk to you about what's going on next weekend really quick. Next Sunday is Baptism Sunday here at Propel Church, both at the 9 a.m. and at the 1030 worship experience. We've already got several people signed up for baptism. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus baptism is your next step. It's where you publicly declare that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and we would love to help you take that next step in baptism next Sunday. You can simply sign up on your Connect card or stop by Next Steps, and they'll help you sign up. Today, we are going to wrap up a message series um, that has been called Things Jesus Never Said. Throughout the course of this series, we've learned all sorts of things about what Jesus did say and what Jesus didn't say, because sometimes people will say things and go, yeah, Jesus said that, but the truth is, Jesus never said it. And so what I want to do is I want to talk to you and I today about the topic of forgiveness, but first, you know, we are a portable church, so being a portable church is one of those things that I love, I cherish. It is absolutely incredible doing the setup and the teardown, but when we were in the beginning of it, uh, there were some things that you had to get used to, and one of those things was every vehicle, every truck that we owned now had a trailer hitch. And you may say, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but here's what I came to realize really early on in starting the church. Every time I rounded the corner of a truck and walked behind it, there was something that connected with my shin. <laughs> Come on, some of y'all know, you've been there, right? You round the corner of a truck and immediately your shin connects with that trailer hitch and you begin to feel all of this internal anger, frustration, and emotion. So probably for about the first year and a half of our church plant, I had a permanent bruise on my shin and depending on how high the truck sits, it was anywhere from your shin to your kneecap, which isn't a good range. It's just an incredibly painful things. Sometimes in life, you and I get wounded. If you've lived long enough, you may not even have to live an incredibly long amount of time to realize that sometimes you get wounded. It may be a physical wound. It may be a spiritual wound. It may be an emotional wound. You and I experience wounds all the time. We get wounded by other people, things that people say about us, things that people do to us. And oftentimes when we are feeling wounded or experience great trauma, great wounds, people have hurt us, 
What the world teaches you and I to do is to pull out a little slip of paper. This is a receipt from, I don't know, probably food I ate. Yep. Pull out the receipt, pull out a piece of paper. You write somebody's name on it. You fold it up and you put it back in your pocket. And now you've got a grudge. I'm going to hold on to this anger. I'm going to hold on to this frustration because you wronged me. And what we've talked about throughout this uh, entire series is a book called First Opinions. And so this is what it says in First Opinions, chapter 4, verse 9. It's okay to hold a grudge. They hurt you. There's no need to forgive them. This is one of those things that Jesus never said. Jesus never said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they post. He never said, you've messed up so much, there's no way I could forgive you. Jesus never said, fool me once, I'll forgive you. Fool me twice, I pray you get hemorrhoids. That's not what Jesus said at all. In fact, we serve a God who has always been in the business of forgiveness. We serve a God who even in our worst days, even in our biggest mistakes, over and over and over and over again, chooses to forgive us. And so as Jesus is teaching one of the most iconic sermon series ever called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, he's having a conversation with the disciples on prayer. And you say, what does prayer have to do with forgiveness? We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But as Jesus is having this conversation, Matthew chapter 6 Verse 9, he looks at the disciples and he says this, Then this is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. The first thing that Jesus does is he doesn't say my Father. He says our Father. I think sometimes we need to remember that we're family. You've got hurts, you've got wounds, people have hurt you. But here's the thing, you're family. God has created every single one of us in his image. We are made and created for him. And especially if you're holding unforgiveness against another brother or sister in Christ, you need to remember that when you go to pray, it's our Father in heaven, your family. You know what a dad, if you're a parent in here, do you know what you love when your kids don't fight? (laughs) You get in the car, you're driving down the road, and you know this, you, you start that family road trip And you're like three minutes in and they're punching each other in the back seat. You're like, Lord, what did I get myself into? You know the thing that you want most is for your kids to get along. So Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And then verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. It doesn't say forgive us our debts, though we're still holding grudges. Forgive us our debts, though we're staying mad at people. It doesn't say forgive us our debts, even though I'm going to stay angry at everyone. Forgive us our debts, even though I post on Facebook about those people. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then it goes on, verse 14 shows you and I what this prayer is all about, Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sin, your heavenly Father will not forgive you of your sins. 
want to give you three things that I think are incredibly important about forgiveness this morning. And the first one is this. God forgives you the same measure as you forgive others. That's a tough one. (laughs) Right? Like, that's an incredibly hard pill for you and I to swallow, that God forgives us according to the level in which we forgive others. But that's exactly what Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15 said. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you of your sin. God forgives you and I the same measure as we're willing to forgive others. Peter's having a conversation with Jesus, and he goes, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive them? Is it like up to seven times? And Jesus says, no, it's 70 times seven. And Peter's like, great, perfect, 490. No, 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 not the point at all. Because if you can still count, it's not forgiveness. He's saying, Peter, there ought to be a standard of forgiveness so big, so vast, that there's no way you can keep track of how many times people have hurt you because forgiveness is letting go. Jesus never said, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Scripture says that he casts our sin into the depths of the ocean. It's removed from the heart of God. When you get to heaven, he's not going to give you a laundry list of your sins and your mistakes and go, yeah, them's the one I paid for. He said, I forgave you. When God looks at you, he now sees Jesus, the full payment for your sin and my sin. Our Father forgives us according to the way we forgive others. Jesus then goes on after teaching Peter about the 70 times 7. He tells a parable of a man who is dealing with this issue of forgiveness. See, this man has an incredibly big debt on his life. This is Matthew chapter 18. You can go back and read it later. God's got an incredible debt. In fact, the debt that he owes someone is multiple life's wages worth of income. So it's not just something he could pay for. It's a debt that his kids and his grandkids are going to have to work off over a period of time. And he bows before the guy who he owes money to. And he says, look, I'm sorry that I did this. I, I need your mercy. And the guy looks at him and he has incredible mercy for him. He forgives him of all of his debt. And you would think that that guy would leave there, be completely changed, and go, oh, it's incredible, I've experienced so much forgiveness, now I'm going to forgive others. The problem is, he walks out of the door and runs into a guy who owes him about a hundred bucks. He's been forgiven of like multiple life's wages, and now runs into a guy who owes him a hundred dollars, and he demands that the, the guards throw this man in prison for not paying his debt. He's been forgiven of so much and yet is not willing to forgive someone else. So the master calls back the man and said, you were forgiven of so much, yet you were harsh to your brother. Therefore, you'll be thrown into prison, tortured, tormented, and you will pay back everything you owe. And Jesus says, that's what it's like when you choose to not forgive as your heavenly Father has forgiven you. It's not an incredibly comforting word because forgiveness really is a difficult thing for you and I to grasp with and wrestle with. But God forgives us the same degree as we're willing to forgive others. And in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness really feels like a reward for my enemy. But in the light 
of all that God has done for me, forgiveness is just a gift from one undeserving person to another. It's saying, God, I know you've forgiven me of so much. And because I realize how much you've forgiven me, I can let this go. The second thing that I want you to know this morning is that forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. Forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. I want to pause for a moment and acknowledge the fact that some of you have been incredibly wounded. You have had things done to you. There have been things that people have said about you. There have been lies that were spoken about you that were absolutely horrific, incredible pain. I'm not denying your pain at all. But the truth of it is, when you and I hold unforgiveness in our lives, we're the ones that are suffering. Pastor Chris Hodges says (laughs) that unforgiveness is like pouring gasoline all over yourself, lighting yourself on fire, and expecting someone else to die of smoke inhalation. That you'll kill yourself in the process of trying to hurt the other person. And really, the person that's being hurt this entire time is you. Unforgiveness is something that will choke out and kill the plans and the purpose of God because what we've just read is that God forgives us the same measure as we are willing to forgive others. Your unforgiveness is most likely not hurting the person you intended to hurt. It's killing you internally. Dave Willis says this, holding a grudge doesn't make you strong, it makes you bitter. Come on now, you and I know people who are bitter. And don't elbow them, right? You know people who are bitter, who something painful happened to them, and now every life decision they make is based on that person who hurt them in the past. Oh, I've forgiven them. No, no, you still got the piece of receipt paper in your pocket. You're still holding on to that name. You're still holding on to that person. And you've made decisions. You've made vows. You've made judgments to say, I'll never let somebody hurt me like they hurt me. Oh, but I forgave them. It's just tucked away in my back pocket. No, no. It's not how forgiveness works. Forgiveness is the power. I believe that forgiveness is the key to setting the prisoner free, but it's realizing that you were the prisoner the whole time. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 31 says, get rid of all. Turn to somebody and say all. So all, you can go back and you can translate the original language, Greek, Hebrew. All literally means all. Like it's not get rid of some bitterness, get rid of some anger, get rid of some rage, brawling, or slander along with every other form of malice. It's get rid of all of it. Clean house if you have to. That might mean removing friendships, might mean removing relationships, it might mean doing whatever it takes to get free from it. But Paul says, if you want to be healthy, get rid of all of it. Don't keep a single bit of it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. Then he says this, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Every time you see God talk about forgiveness in Scripture, you know what follows it? Don't forget how much you've been forgiven. 
Why? Because that's the easy thing for us to do. People hurt us, people wound us, people affect us, and it's easy for us to get stuck in what they did. What we need to do is remember what he did for us. And he forgave us of so much. That by his grace and mercy, you and I were set free. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, anger, rage, brawling, and slander. What the world tells you and I is that you can hold on to your bitterness for a season because time heals all wounds. Time doesn't heal wounds. Time leads to infection. And that'll preach. I'm just saying. If I get wounded and I choose to not treat the wound, it leads to an infection. If I allow God to heal that wound, do you know what it leads to? A scar. Scars are not pretty, but a scar always tells a story of healing. Some of us wear wounds like a badge of honor. Wounds are not badges of honor. Scars are. When you're still wounded, you're, you're still hurting, you're still going through the mess. God desires for each one of us to be healed. And Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, anger, forgive one another just as God forgave you. I believe here's what unforgiveness does. Just read the verse backwards. Unforgiveness is keeping all bitterness, all rage, all anger, brawling, and slander. And for some of us, we think slander. Oh, I don't really talk bad about people. We live in a world of social media that does just this. We just talk bad about people all the time. We just don't tag them in the posts we talk about them about. But everybody knows we're talking about them. We're mad about a situation, so we find a post that agrees with us, and then we share that post over and over and over again. And I've come to learn something in just the last couple of years that every time I bring an opinion to Google, Google validates it. That's one of the most dangerous things you and I can ever do is come to Google with an opinion. We pick little G over big G. You come to God with your opinion, and he'll flood it with the truth of his word, which will transform your heart and your life. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger. Unforgiveness will lead us into bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and malice. The question is, is it worth it? Is it worth it for you and I to continue holding on to the pain and the hurt that we've been going through and experiencing? Because the end result is bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander. Is it worth it? I think the answer is no. And maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you're like, man, forgiveness seems like an incredibly big task. I don't know that I am up for the challenge. What do I do? Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, just a couple of verses before we enter into chapter 6. He says, you've heard it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. This is why I believe that scripture is still incredibly relevant for you and I today. Jesus is talking to a large group of people. He's saying, you've heard it. This is the way the world works. This is the customs and the patterns of the world. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Isn't that what we teach people today? Love your neighbor, love your friends, hold them tightly. Just don't forget that the enemy of my enemy is my friend or whatever. Because you love your neighbor, you hate your enemy. But Jesus steps in to say, but I tell you, you love your enemies. And you pray for those who persecute you. 
So we've learned this morning that when God forgives us the same measure as we are willing to forgive others, and then we learned that forgiveness is not for them, it's really for me. The third thing that I want you to know is that you need to pray for those who have hurt you. Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You don't feel like praying? Guess what? Action comes before attitude. Every time. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. Choices lead, feelings follow. If you and I, Paul, Paul says, don't live your life based on feelings, but be guided by the Spirit of God. And can I tell you, anytime you hear a, a word or a voice that tells you to hold on to bitterness, hold on to frustration, hold on because they hurt you, that's not from God. It's a lie from the enemy. I want to make sure I never get hurt like that again. Nobody can make you that promise. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, and he chose to wash his feet. He chose to give him a seat at the Last Supper. If I knew a dude was going to betray me, he's not going to dinner with me. Jesus knew, but Judas ate too. That's the power of the gospel. He said, yeah, people are going to hurt us. People are going to make us angry. They're going to do things that we don't like. But if you pray for those who hurt you, I believe it changes everything. Your prayer may or may not change others, but it will always change you. I've learned in my life that when I choose to pray for someone, it's really hard to gossip about people I pray for because I'm praying God's best for their life. So it's hard for me to talk about them at their worst when I'm praying God's best. When I'm mad at somebody and have unforgiveness in my heart, it's really hard for me to stay angry at people who I'm saying, God, I, I know you're bigger than this. I know I might be mad. I'm not praying God change them. I'm saying God change me. Help me get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, malice. Because forgiveness changes my life. Prayer changes you and I. I believe that prayer is a God-honoring place to start, and then you choose to forgive. Say, God, I'm praying for this person. And can I tell you something, too? I think sometimes we buy into this lie or, or believe that like God can't handle your frustration. God can handle your frustration. Come to God and say, God, they hurt me. Scripture says that we don't have a high priest, Hebrews chapter 12, who can't empathize with us in all things because in all things he was tempted. Jesus went through it all. Jesus experienced pain. He experienced frustration. He experienced all of these emotions of people talking bad about him. And over and over and over again, he responds in a way that's healthy according to the standard of God. You and I begin with prayer and then we choose to forgive. The Greek word that's used for forgiveness means to hurl away, to throw away. I'm getting rid of, of all of it. Colossians chapter 3, 13 says this, and I'll invite the worship team back out. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive. Look at this. As the Lord has forgave you. 
So bear one another's burdens. Carry the weight of this alone. Maybe some of you are struggling right now because you don't have anyone to bear the weight of what you're going through in life with. And so you're angry and you're frustrated and you're carrying it alone. And God's design and intention for your life was to never carry this thing alone. Bear one another's burdens. Care for each other. And if you have a grievance, if you have a problem with somebody, deal with it. Forgive them. Because the only thing unforgiveness will lead you to is bitterness, rage, anger, malice, slander. You and I choose to forgive today. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. At the beginning of this message, I talked with you a little bit about the slip of paper. And normally, what we do is we take that person's name, we write it down, fold it up in our pocket, and we keep it. You might not say this deep down, but what you're expecting is that someday this person is going to repay me. This person is going to make it right. They're going to fix it. They're going to take care of it. And so what you've been carrying in your pocket is an IOU. I owe you something. You, you're carrying something in your life that other people have done to you, expecting them to repay the debt. Here's what you need to know. Jesus already paid for that debt. Forgiveness is not holding on to the slip of paper, it's tearing it up. It's saying, God, I no longer hold on to the bitterness. I no longer hold on to the rage, the anger, and the frustration. I no longer hold this person responsible for the offense that they've done to me. Instead, I lay it at the cross of Jesus, knowing that that's where debt is paid for. And when you and I do that, that's what forgiveness looks like. That's what healing begins to look like. It's to let go of the hurt, to let go of the pain, to let go of the you owe me something in life. How many relationships could be healed if fathers and sons would simply come back and embrace to say, I forgive you? What if mothers and daughters would hurl it away and let words be in the past and the letdowns be gone to embrace one another and forgive one another in the same way that Jesus has forgiven us? What if husbands and wives, yes, adultery is grounds for divorce, but adultery is also grounds for forgiveness. What if we chose in the middle of our hurt, in the middle of our pain, to forgive through the power of the Holy Spirit just as we've been forgiven of so much. I believe that's when you and I begin to experience an incredible spiritual shift in our life where we have no more malice or anger or bitterness. Where we're saying, God, you've got my whole heart. There's nothing off limits to you. Jeremiah says that when we seek him wholeheartedly, we find him. If you and I are holding on to unforgiveness, We can't seek God wholeheartedly. So for just a moment, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray with you this morning. 
For some of you, you're in here and you've got unforgiveness in your life, in your heart, and you find it impossible to forgive other people because you've never accepted the forgiveness of God. The truth is you can't give away what you don't have. And you came in this morning angry and you came in this morning bitter, blaming all of your life's problems on the things that they did. Today what God wants for you is to simply respond to the good news of Jesus. Which is that in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your sin that had caused the separation between you and God, God would send his son into the world to die in your place so that in him you could have everlasting life. So if that's you this morning and you'd say, I, I know Jesus is not the one in control of my life. I know Jesus is not my Lord and Savior. And you want to surrender control of your life to him. Would you just boldly for a moment lift your hand in the air? Say, hey, that's, that's me. I see those. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody's going to pray alone. We're going to pray together. Will you say this with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, will you stand to your feet and help me celebrate with those who just made decisions for Jesus? But there's also some of you in here today who you've realized through the course of this message that God has brought a name to your heart. And you may be thinking, oh, oh, no, 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 I've already dealt with that. I've already forgiven them. Satan's not going to prompt you to forgive somebody. That's not how he works. So if you felt a name come to mind during this message of somebody you're holding a grudge against or some unforgiveness that you have, today's the opportunity to let it go. And so what I want to do is I want to walk you through a prayer that says, God, I'm letting go of the offense. I'm letting go of the hurt. And I forgive them just as you've forgiven me. Let's pray, church. God, we come to you this morning so thankful for the forgiveness that we've received. And, and now it's our opportunity to extend that forgiveness to others. And so if you're here and you have unforgiveness in your heart, I want you to think of that person and and call them out by name to say, Lord, I forgive them. I let go of the pain, the hurt, and the offense. I ask you to be the ultimate judge in this thing. Lord, I trust you. Today I forgive them because I realize I've been forgiven of so much. I ask you to fill my heart with peace, to fill my heart with joy, to fill my heart with love, that I might follow you wholeheartedly. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we're going to continue in worship for a few moments and sing a song called Place of Freedom. And one of the things that I love about this song is it's just a focus reminder that in Christ you and I have a safe place to deal with our mess, to deal with our issues. It's the whole reason why we've gathered. Say, God, 
We want as much of you as we can get. Let's worship.